0: Blue Wire.
1: Think about Lawrence, fires to the end zone, touchdown!
0: Alabama wins! Elliott dodges the eye of this national championship win.
1: A deep throw by Lawrence,
0: a lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it. He's done!
1: Welcome into episode 152 of Press Pass. Kayla Anderson here with my co-host Joshua Perry. It is a very early morning when we are currently um, doing this podcast. We have usually changed to evenings, but Joshua and I are actually morning people when it comes down to it, so you might get our best work because we're working in the morning and our brains are sharp. I
0: would say so. I would say okay. so. and it's 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 my fault one hundred percent that we're doing this morning thing because my life is uh a little bit crazy right now and I'll I'll be able to share some news probably in a week Ooh. or so on I'm why it's so it. crazy. But I'm loving uh, this. This is good. In saying that, this is this is my fault, but you are definitely gonna get our best work.
1: Exactly. No, it's we make it happen here. I am about to have my life turned into Titans football for the next however long they want to fight in the playoffs. Uh, It could be another month until I have a normal life. So right now it doesn't matter if I have to shuffle around things. We make it happen, Joshua. That's the type of people we are. Um, But we do actually have some fun stuff to talk about because we've got a college football playoff national champion. And no, it's not Alabama. If you were able to watch the game this past week, I think there was definitely many thoughts from around the country when it came to um, this matchup because, again, it was an all-SEC battle. So there were a lot of you know, college football fans that were probably annoyed with it. But when it's all said and done, give Georgia credit, they were able to defeat Alabama. Um, I believe this is their first title in 41 years for Georgia for those mm. dogs. So that's really wow. big considering the amount of talent, Joshua, that they have been able to you know, have at Georgia. They've had really successful seasons, but yet they just hadn't been able um, to get over the hump. So I will ask you this. What did you think about this matchup, and do you feel like it was the two best teams when it was all said and done?
0: So let me touch on something you just said a second ago uh, about the talent. Our guy, Bo Bishop, who is a radio host in Columbus, Ohio, uh, Bishop and Friends is his show. It's on 97.1 The Fan from 9 and Noon, made mention yesterday, and I totally agree with this, that you can make an argument that Georgia has been one of the most underachieving programs of the last handful of decades because of the amount of talent that exists in the state of Georgia and the fact that so many kids in the state of Georgia, and especially recently, have stayed in state and they haven't won a national title. Um, you know, yeah. it's it's the, the recruiting classes that they've had in the last five years have basically all been top five classes. They've had a couple of, um, you know, top three, top two, number ones, um, and, and have just now figured out, how to win the national title. So I think it's good to see it. I think it was the two best teams in the country. I think that was pretty evident throughout the season. Um, Alabama, obviously they stumbled, but they were able to pull it back together. I think that their win over Georgia and the sec championship was emphatic. And um, it really showed how good of a team that they were at their top end uh, in the semifinal. They showed that uh, they were leaps and bounds better than Cincinnati. And you look at what Georgia was able to do throughout the season Uh, But especially in the college football playoff, I think we got the two best teams. Overall impressions of the game are this, is we got a throwback football game yes, where it was two elite defenses uh, who really made the offenses earn their way down the field. We saw special teams come into play where field position was big with the punt game, where kicking was big, especially through the first three quarters. Um, And I was super excited about that. I know that some people prefer the high-flying offense. We talked about uh, Purdue and Tennessee in their bowl game. This one was totally different. But uh, there was plenty of drama in this game. I think that um, Alabama was right in position when Stetson Bennett had that fumble Mm -hmm. and they recovered it so uh, casually and were able to turn that into points. Right. I I thought that was a turning point in the game for Alabama. But as poorly as Stetson Bennett had played at times, he came through clutch, clutch toward the end of the game. And I think that was big. Now, the last thing I will end with is this. I do think it is a huge storyline. What happened to Jamison Williams? Um, There were some people who were saying, oh, well, I'm supposed to feel bad for Alabama because they lost a couple of wide receivers in the college football playoff, but they've got, you know, number one classes galore. They should just be able to roll out a couple of guys and, um, you know, be able to, to keep up the level of production. What I would say to you is this is there's a difference between a starter level player and between a backup and even a guy who's a five-star, who's a first or second year player, just they're not going to be as good as your your five-stars who are going to be or first round draft picks, as, as Jamison Williams and John Mechie, guys who are going to be first round draft picks, are simply not going to be as good as those guys. Second off, Georgia has the best defense in college football. It's a historic defense. It is the the fourth best defense, scoring defense, to ever win a national championship ever. And especially in this day and age of football, where the offenses are explosive, so these guys aren't just coming in, you know, against a, a, an Auburn and you're expecting them to be productive. They're coming in against one of the best defenses that college football's seen in a long time. And number three, we watched Bryce Young drop a couple of dimes that mm-hmm. those guys just literally couldn't catch. They dropped two touchdowns. Like that, it, it was a difference in the game. Yeah. But you give Georgia all the credit because they fought and they clawed and they scratched and they made the plays they needed to.
1: Yeah, I would completely agree. And. Um... Just to note, uh, Williams Bama's wide receiver, he has supposedly torn his ACL. So again, that's you know that's a that's something I hate to see. I never want to see that. Um, it's just a bummer, and I hope that he heals up quickly. Um, when it comes to that, I wanted to comment about when you mentioned kind of a throwback game because I was on the radio this week in Alabama and they asked me my thoughts on the game. And I said, honestly, I actually enjoyed having a little bit more of a defensive game because we're so used to, in this day and age, the high-flying offenses and scoring points, and everyone kind of thinks like that's what national championship teams are. And let's not forget, you know, so many of these national championship games in the past and really, specifically, Nick Saban championship teams are defensive-minded teams. Were defensive games, and in the end, obviously Georgia was able to put more points up on the board. But for the most part, it, it really was a battle for a while. And I thought that was a little bit refreshing to go back to the phrase that we've used for so long: that defense wins national championships. That defense wins championships. I think at um at a time here in the last several years we've gotten away from that and so for me to see that kind of a game I was really happy with that and to know that the team that won the national title this year was truly a defensive team from start to finish. I mean that is what Georgia hung its hat on and it won a national championship. The first For Kirby Smart, who was 0-4 against his former guy, because he obviously was an assistant under Saban. Not many people win against Saban. Um, So another, you know, a big thing for him, too.
0: Yeah. um, And, you know, just to kind of run with that as well, like, this was a different matchup than we saw in the SEC Championship. And and for all the people who didn't want to see a rematch, I, I think it was refreshing to see the game at least play out very differently, where... Um, It was Alabama being able to score on runs the first time around to where now points were hard to come by. You mentioned Kirby Smart beating Nick Saban. Nick Saban coming into this season was undefeated (laughs) against his former assistant coaches. And now he's got two losses to his former assistant coaches. Jimbo Fisher this year with Texas A&M in that upset earlier on. And Kirby Smart pulling it out in the national championship game. And the one thing I will say about Nick Saban is how gracious he has been in defeat, and especially to the guys that uh, he's he's coached with before, guys who have coached under him. He had nothing but effusive praise for not only Kirby Smart and the job that he did, and I know that they have a ton of respect for one another. You can see it in the way that they interact, but also for his team. He, he, it, it was wild listening to some of the comments that Saban made. Yep. It, it didn't, it wasn't bitter. It nope. wasn't upset. It was pride in his team. I'm proud of these guys for the way that they fought. I'm proud of these guys for the way that they went. I'm proud of these guys for the impact that they have on this football team. I'm proud of Kirby and I'm proud of the way that he's coached that team. And that team deserved to win the football game. And we beat them earlier on this year and we know we're a good football team, but they came out here and they played really well tonight and they deserved to win the game. I love seeing it. I absolutely love it.
1: I do too. And that just goes to show, again, when it's all said and done, when Nick Saban does decide to retire, I just – his legacy, I I don't even know how to explain what it's going to be because it's what he has done for the game of college football. And I'm so happy to say, like, that I was able to – as a sports reporter, watch it and be a part of it in the smallest way too. Um, when he first arrived in Alabama and I was covering him there and then to watch just what he's done with these teams year after year with the type of athletes, you know, that have been produced there. It's really simply amazing. And I don't want to get off the subject of, you know, Georgia winning it, but Alabama continues to, just be this juggernaut year after year and it's because of Nick Saban like there's no other way to explain it I mean since he came in and took over Alabama which was in really bad shape when I was there Mm -hmm. really bad shape Joshua um it's really quite amazing um the consistency that he's been able to have so very gracious man indeed happy for others to see their success one more thing about this. And you mentioned him. I am just one to always appreciate a good, feel-good story in college football and any sport, and to see a guy like Stetson Bennett, who was really not even recruited much out of high school, surely was not expected to ever be the starting quarterback at Georgia, including this year when they brought in – um. JT Daniels and expected him to start and that really didn't pan out and here you got this Georgia boy homegrown walk-on essentially left the program came back and out of all the quarterbacks that Georgia has had that have left the program or just you know been there and not been able to get it done Stetson Bennett is the one that gets it done like I'm sorry mind blown best story I've heard about in college football in a long time
0: yeah, and it goes back to this idea, and I uh, had made mention of this before the game and just some of my pregame thoughts, but I said, if you're, if you're Georgia, your offense is at its best when you can protect Stetson Bennett, mm-hmm. and what I mean by that is not just the literal protection from the O-line, but I'm saying like you protect him from having to put the game on his arm. Yes. Well, the first time they played Alabama, they were playing from behind. And so the game had to be on his arm. So it started with playing great defense for Georgia, which they did. But the second thing that you do is you run the ball. And even if the run game isn't working consistently, which for a while in that game, it wasn't, you continue to run the football because there comes a point where it still works and it always makes the defense play honestly. Right. But then in the past game. You got to make it uh, conceptually something that he can handle. And a Mm -hmm. lot of times what that means is rollouts and play action, but also Bowers, who is the best young tight end in football right now. You get him the football out there on the edges. It's a big target. It's an easy high percentage throw for Stetson Bennett. And then when it's time to take the shots downfield, you're creative with it. You drop some scheme plays. You just you hit them right at that moment where you know it's time to take a shot, which they absolutely did. And so I think that the offensive game plan and the fact that they were playing great complimentary football was a true benefit to Stetson Bennett. And it allowed him to be the type of quarterback that he is. But when he's playing at his best, he's a very good quarterback because he doesn't have to do too much.
1: Yeah. And I'm not saying he's the best quarterback to ever. Live no, in. Well, I mean, but, but,
0: but these guys can get it done though. He- that's
1: like, that's the point. Exactly. And I think for what I appreciate about Stetson Bennett, as as many times as I've kind of joked about, you know, him being the starter, I, I mean, it is what it is that the reality of it is like he probably shouldn't be starting at one of the top programs in the country. I, in the world we live in of quarterbacks and, and you know, five star recruits and SEC football, that's just kind of uh, the most unlikely thing. Um, But the fact that it happened and the fact that I think what I love about the story, too, is that he's the fight that he has had in his career is unmatchable. Like, I just appreciate people with fight, appreciate people that have to overcome the haters, the adversity. And I remember after the game, I think he told Holly Rowe that um, he goes, when I fumbled the ball, there was no way that I was going to let that pretty much spiral you know everything after I mean he didn't say those exact words but he pretty much said there was no way I was not going to come back in there and and find a way to win the game like he he was obviously very upset with the whole situation of how it played out and how you had mentioned Bama um so casually recovered it and so I thought that that was great to just um you know, seeing that fight to the very end. And he clearly got very emotional, you know, after the game as well. But I just thought it was a great story overall. Complimentary, like you said, football is is what they were able to do. And again, a great job by Georgia this year. Congratulations to them on a national championship game. Uh, And now we'll get to move on to all the preseason talk. That? Yeah, already. That's what happens, I swear. It's like, give him a trophy, and now we're on to who's the favorite to win next year.
0: Like, I think Joel Klatt's, <laughs> excuse me, too early uh top 10 for next year came out before the freaking game even started.
1: Right? I'm like, like can we just breathe a little?
0: No, we can't.
1: That Nope, that's not the day in, in uh, age we live in, that's for sure. Speaking of... Breathing, um, plenty of breathing room right now for the college football playoff committee because they're pretty much um, putting things on a, on a hold. It seems like when it comes to the expansion talk, Joshua. So the college football playoff committee um, they they failed to really meet um, any you know anything in terms of details. And they're supposed to meet in the next few weeks here talking about the expansion process and what might be happening. And you had put out a tweet that you had, um, Greg McElroy, former Alabama quarterback had been on Sirius XM radio and he was talking about why there is a holdup and the name. Kevin Warren, big 10 commissioner came out of his mouth and said, you know, I've heard that he is the one that's kind of putting a hold on things, but you had heard a lot more than that. That was really only half of the story, Joshua, of what's going on with the hold up here.
0: Yeah, that's like a fifth of the story, actually. um right? And, and I'm, I'm a I'm a fan of, of Greg McElroy. So, oh um, yeah. Uh, to knock on him, but you know, a lot of times when you're talking to sources, and depending on who your sources are, they only give you a portion of the story. So I totally get how um, this comes out. And uh, Kevin Warren has not been a perfect commissioner. I know a lot of people are still. Um, uh, bitter over the way that he handled the the COVID season and everything else but <clears throat> excuse me that is only one portion of it I think that there is <clears throat> this idea of some of the commissioners are not exactly satisfied with the way that people want to do automatic qualifiers uh, whether it is conference champions are um, automatic qualifiers the six highest ranked teams and and then you know the other teams are at large. Is it, is it Power Five conference champs? Is it the the top ranked conference champs, regardless of Power Five or not? So that's one of the things that people are talking about. But from what I'm getting from folks that I know, and even the Pac-12 put out a statement that was uh, pretty sweeping, saying that they're they don't give a damn. They're they're open to all options basically. But it laid out like six different options. Um, and so what it seems like is they can't figure out. Uh, how many teams they want to get in to begin with where I'm hearing that there are some leaders who want just an 18 playoff versus this 12 team idea that everybody's gotten used to hearing about. And then they don't, they have not agreed on how they want the, uh, how the teams are going to get in. Like I said, is it automatic qualifiers based off of conference champions and which conference champions, the whole deal. So that's something else to look at. There's money involved in this. Have they figured out how the financials are going to work? Like if if a group of five team gets into this college football playoff, do they get the same revenue share for their conference as a power five team would? Uh, you know, is it based off of the number of teams that each conference has how much revenue share it's going to be all these different things. So they're still trying to figure out uh, some of the money of it, which I think is big. And you also throw in this idea that the SEC was making deals with Texas and Oklahoma in the dark and nobody knew about it. And I think some of the conferences are still pissed off about that because that plays into how the SEC would want to advocate for this new model before it was known publicly what the SEC was doing with some of this new members. So um, there are so many items at play here, and this is going to be unique to see because with that many things still up in the air, can this actually get done on the timeline um, before the expiration of the current deal?
1: Yeah, I mean that's the big question right now. I do love the point, and we talked about this before we started recording this podcast. You brought up the point that, you know, there are probably some of the commissioners at some of these conferences not too happy with what the SEC kind of did on its own time frame behind the the, the doors a little bit. Uh, with adding, you know, Texas and Oklahoma to the conference, it it seems sometimes like the SEC just does whatever it wants and everybody else is like, okay, uh, this is college football. It's not just the SEC. And I would agree with you. I'm sure that doesn't help anything in terms of speeding anything up or or trying to get on the, you know, on the same page as as the SEC and what their thoughts are on the college football expansion right away. And so – yeah, there's a lot that plays into this. I'm curious, you know, you had mentioned Joshua, the the eight team playoff. We're specifically talking about this being expanded to twelve. But um, when I talked to you earlier on in the last year about this, were you in favor? Wh- what? How much were you in favor of terms of expansion? Did you want to do the twelve, or were you more for so the eight?
0: I'm for a six-team playoff. Person. Oh, you're
1: for the sixteen. Six. Okay, I know. I know you had a different opinion on on the yes. twelve.
0: I, I just, I just think six is a, a good number considering that, especially the way that things played out this year. Yeah. Um, even with the amount of parity that we had this year, um, there were blowouts in the semifinals. Yeah. Because there were. It's a. It's a clear drop off. Like. Yeah. If. If there was a six-team model this year, you could make the argument that a two-loss Ohio State could have been in there. And I know Notre Dame was sitting there, and I know that uh, Baylor was right there as well. right? But let's run with this idea. Just for the sake of argument, Ohio State had already lost to Michigan. They had lost to... Oregon who lost twice to Utah who won their conference so you're trying to tell me that that team was going to be able to beat Alabama or Georgia no no No. Notre Dame if they would have gotten in and who'd they lose to Oklahoma State in the bowl game yep they were going to beat Georgia Alabama no no Baylor as hot as Baylor was at the end of the year you really think they were going to beat Georgia Alabama no and that's why I like six because we're People are like, oh, well, it keeps intrigue and guys aren't going to opt out. Listen, I I get it. I get what we're trying to do here. You're trying to build a TV show and maybe somebody pulls off an upset in one of the early rounds. The elite teams, they're they're not getting upset. They're not losing the game. The elite team is going to make it. And I, I truly don't think that the number 12 team in the country is going to be elite. And I truly don't think that if you're 12 in depending on what year it is, you could be a three loss team. You don't deserve to be in there with three losses. You don't deserve to be a national champion. There should never be a three loss national champion. I don't believe that should exist. Um, And also if I'm on the number 12 team in the country and we've already got three losses and uh, I don't think that we can actually win it at the end of the year, I'm still opting out.
1: Yep. Hands down. I'm with you on that. So, when it's all said and done, when does this thing get done? you think
0: mm, I don't think it gets done before the current deal is up
1: okay and, but what do.
0: changes after that is is right now they need uh unanimous consent to uh make some of these changes, and I think <clears throat> when the uh when the current deal's up, they don't need unanimous consent anymore. I think they only need um a majority yeah, so. Uh, it changes the way that they'll be able to negotiate and the way that they'll be able to operate and what actually comes out of it. But right now, I don't think that they're going to get everybody on the same page. Or they're, I think the differences that exist are too far apart yep. for them to get all on the same page.
1: So the moral of the story, folks, is stay tuned. That's all we can really
0: Yeah, do. seriously.
1: Before we go, I had to, had to bring this up because we were talking about the transfer portal last week which we seem to be doing a lot lately. Guess who would in the transfer portal right after we had had our discussion on that? Who? Washington state's quarterback. Hmm. So again, it doesn't matter what program you're with, what your status is, whether you're a starter or a backup. I mean, he was Washington state's starter pretty much for the last two years. Very well liked actually very successful when it's all said and done. Um, But because the coaching shuffling took place at Washington state last year, there was obviously talk of bringing in another quarterback because the the guy that brought him there was no longer at Washington state. And so uh, he jumped in the portal and I was on Twitter this morning, just feeling like, you know, sometimes things just come to you. And I said, the college football transfer portal should start its own team, huh?
0: Yeah, it should be. There we go. A, uh, there should be Portal University, Portal <laughs> U, and the players have the option once they jump into the portal to, uh, you know, they have to take visits to schools, right? Yeah. They have to legitimately be recruited to be yeah. eligible to go to the Portal U. Exactly. If if they're not good enough to be recruited out of the portal, then they can't just go to Portal U. But but Portal U should be an option once you get recruited by X number of teams out of the portal, and then you have the option of just saying, you know what, I'm not going to go to uh, Indiana, or I'm not going to go to Tennessee. I'm going to go to Portal U. See? And then do it that way. That'd Joshua, be a lot of fun.
1: Joshua has now given, and I'm going to retweet this as we speak on this podcast. Joshua has given it the name, Portal U. That has a good ring to it.
0: So, um, out of the portal as well, you're you're seeing Jackson Dart, who was USC's quarterback.
1: Yes. Um,
0: He jumped in there, which a lot of people reading the tea leaves would say Caleb Williams going to USC to reunite with Lincoln Riley. Um, I think that'd make a lot of sense. And then the other one that was really eye-opening yesterday uh Jaleel Billingsley, who was the All-SEC tight end for Alabama, into yes. the portal as well. One of the best tight ends in the nation. So this portal thing is wild.
1: It really is. It's just every day there's somebody new, and I can't keep up with half of it, but it is amazing. I think I'm going to take some time in the next week or so to go through the portal. I, I mean, I want to really see all the guys that are in there, how many guys are in there. I just think it, it's really fascinating at this point. Um,
0: There's a lot of guys who, who
1: ain't getting out of that thing either. They're you're done. exactly They're, right. I mean, it could be. A black. Never it never football again. I was just going to say, it legit, Joshua, could be a black hole for many players.
0: It is. I was talking to uh, one of my friends who's in coaching, and, and he was saying that, one of the things that they fear with the portal with some of their kids is that there are guys who don't realize how fortunate they actually are to be on scholarship because they're not really that good. Yep. And their school is just going to let them finish out as a guy who probably never plays, but will get his degree. And if he does everything right, it's not going to be a problem. And these kids, they're like, well, no, I want playing time. Yep. Okay. Well, if you can't play here, Why does the coach think that you're going to be valuable somewhere else? And so they hop in the portal and they either got to take a step down to division two or division three from D1, which means that they're going to be paying for college instead of being on a full scholarship. Or they just never get out the portal and they never play ball again and they don't go to school anymore for free. Like, these kids ain't really thinking about it the way that they need to. And I'm glad they have the freedom, but freedom comes with consequences.
1: It does. And and that's the, the point that I wanted to say, too, coming off of what you're saying, is I think that's why eventually this will all kind of get sorted out. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of career, careers that are going to never happen because of it or a lot of players who are unfortunately not going to be able to play football because of it. But I think eventually points are going to be proven from this um, time period that it's not what it's all cut out to be just to enter the portal because you get, you know, a new coach and maybe you don't want to battle for the spot or, you know, things aren't going exactly right and, and you don't want to waste your time. There's reasons to go in the portal. Don't get me wrong. But I just think right now with the amount of players and the amount of like high caliber players that are going in, it just it's kind of crazy. So I think yeah. it will all and sort itself out.
0: I think so, too. I've been on that boat for a while. Like, you know, this is it's the same thing, I think, with NIL. It's going to get really crazy here. Yep. Um, but then I think that people are going to start feeling stupid for wasting their money. Um, yeah. And like yeah. when yours is a perfect example. Yeah. You know, how much money did Ohio companies give him or, sure. um, you know, people in Columbus adjacent to Ohio State for him to, you know, just dip after a year? Like, I think people are going to get tired of that. I think they're going to get tired of uh, paying high prices for, for guys who turn out to not be as good as what they were supposed to be. Yeah, um,
1: yeah. exactly. So
0: I think that evens out. But this portal thing, like you said, you know, it, it's it, it, once you start to realize some of the perils of the portal. I think players are going to be a little bit more patient about their opportunities, but Nick Saban had some really unique thoughts. I'll bring it right back to him. Uh, well, we can yeah. end with this. But he said that uh, the portal was bad for recruiting. And what he meant was that there were going to be a lot of high school players that were hurt from the portal because uh, some schools were going to want to fill their roster with transfer guys. But he also talked about how, um, you know, how the portal, was really uh, a good option for high-end kids, but not necessarily for bottom-end kids. And he basically said, like, yeah, there are going to be kids on my roster who are going to want to jump in the portal, and they're probably on the bottom of the roster. He said, that's totally fine, because I'm just going to get a high-level replacement out of the portal. This was over the summer. Yep. Um, And so I think, like, that's kind of the overarching idea, too. Is there going to be a number of guys every year who are good players that jump in the portal? and Ohio State's going to want to recruit him, and Alabama's going to want to recruit him, and USC's going to want to recruit him. But there are going to be also, like, a lot of guys who think that they're going to transfer from Alabama to another, to a Clemson or to an Oklahoma, and they're probably going to go from Alabama to, you know, Louisiana Monroe. Uh-huh. And that's just what it is. Yep. But these yeah. players don't realize it. I think they they – they just don't know what's out there.
1: Nope. And that's unfortunately to guidance at that age, you either have it or you don't. And
0: Yeah, but you know kids don't like to listen either. Like I was no. as stubborn as can be when I was 19 years old. I thought I had all the answers.
1: I did too, Joshua. My God. I go back and look at my younger years and I'm like, I don't think my parents could have told me anything. And my parents were... Uh, good parents like they raised me right but my gosh i i think about all the things that i didn't listen to them about and now i wish i would have listened them like to them right. about <laughs> it's just it's how the cookie crumbles so That's it. well this was fun i told you we would do some of our best work in the early mornings because our minds are fresh and see we just had some really good conversation and some interesting things to to think about here in the future. And I can't believe that a college football season is already wrapped up again. This is just nuts. The time flies, Joshua.
0: It goes quickly. Time flies, especially when you're having fun.
1: It does. Well, I'm excited to hear hopefully uh, your news next week. Hopefully you can give us some hints next week about what your next venture is or what you're adding to your already full plate um but for now for those of you who would like to go follow us please do give us a a subscribe on any of the platforms you listen to your podcast it's press pass podcast give us a rate and review as well joshua where can they go to find you on the social media platform you've been very involved lately on twitter you've been on there
0: yeah i have been on there you can find me on twitter and instagram at rip underscore jep
1: you can find me at Kayla Anderson TV, and I'm just going to warn you guys, I tweet a lot about everything, but I'm about to enter the playoffs here. So if you, you don't want to hear about the Titans, you probably don't want to look at my timeline for the next few weeks. But if you do, I'll have all the information for you. Just saying.
0: Hashtag number one seed, hashtag first
1: round buy, hashtag home field advantage. Boom! He got all the hashtags in there. <laughs> we appreciate you guys as always. Again, I hope you all enjoyed the college football season. I can't believe we're already wrapping it up, but that doesn't mean this, this podcast ends. We go year-round, folks. We've always got the information. There's always drama. There's always things unfolding. So make sure to always tune in. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you back for another edition of Press Pass next week. Take care.